From underground sublevel 24 deep in Area 51, hello and welcome to TalkCast 300, this week's edition of Sci-Fi Saturday Night. Enjoying a glass of dandelion wine for the prevention of disease only, I am the Dome. Joining the TalkCast tonight, some of the gang of five, because it's actually going to be a gang of three tonight, uh, for a number of reasons, uh, part of which is that I'm suffering from a prevention of disease and other people are preventing their own diseases as well. From the Revere Time Vortex, the technical anarchist of if there's a button worth pressing, she's already done it, uh, interrupting her dinner to make sure we have a show tonight. It's our own girl genius, Kriana. Um, some diseases can't be prevented. I'm talking about you, humanity. And thanks for playing the game. From the sta uh, stacks, oh God, of her personal space in the Dank Dungeons Industrial Film Trailer Review Board, friend of robots and cats, that's Dr. Cats, not felines, it's Zombrarian. I was going to do a whole Uncle Owen, Aunt Baru thing, only I was going to be looking for Ray in the Monopoly game, but I couldn't think of a way to make that funny fast. See, and I thought you were looking for Ray from Archer. Oh, God. <laughs> and that's how you can dance. Our guest tonight is Eric Berry of Hole in the Ground Productions. Uh, it These these guys are some of the most interesting people we met. I, I assume at, there's also several females as well. There are several females, but uh, Eric is joining us tonight. Uh, unfortunately, there you go. Uh, but I don't know. Evidently, Donna could not be with I us, Eric. Welcome your life to the choices. show. We could call you Susan if you like. No, don't call him Susan. It's Eric. Hey, if he wants to be called Susan, who are you? Uh, enough. Thank you. That would get and kind now, of confusing, I think. Uh, I would hope not, but yeah. Uh, we met at Rhode Island Comic Con. You guys were uh, standing in the middle of the ice rink at, at your booth. Oh my gosh! Yes, that 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 was uh, interesting. Was it was a frustrating weekend. Oh uh, yeah, it was a frustrating weekend for a lot of people. Uh, but yeah, and, and there was a line running down the aisle that you guys were in of people waiting for photographs or, or to, to be able to to touch a, a star or something. I whatever. Yeah, it was. Uh, uh, I think it was the photo ops for um, for some of the Doctor Who people that were there, and it, yeah, it, it was a bit of a mess because for probably like two to three hours, it, all the vendors in our line weren't making any sales. No one was able to get to it because you had the the their line management was horrible and. You know, I, I don't want to disparage the convention. They, I, I think they're having growing pains. But please, because, go ahead. <laughs> well, well, I think <coughs> part of the problem is every year they're still relatively young, and they're they're growing so fast that with every year they learn from mistakes of the previous year, but they get put in a situation where now they make new mistakes that year. That bigger and bad, better mistake. If not worse than the original mistake. Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, I actually had to elbow a bunch of people out of the way just to get to you guys. Uh, explain to me what Hole in the Ground Productions is. What do you guys do? 
Well, we uh, primarily we make props now. It, you know that has kind of changed a little bit over the years. Uh, when we first started, we were trying to do a little bit of everything. So it was props, costumes, set design, and it was even video production. And uh, you know, partly due to where our demand would be, uh, you know, we would we would kind of go in that direction. So for example, you know, we didn't really do a lot of video production. So it it kind of was like, okay, why are we even bothering to say that we do this when we're not focusing a lot of our energy in that respect? And so it it's kind of tailored down to it is primarily props. Uh we used to do more costume stuff, but now it's it's more along the lines of costume accessories, which kind of still fall under props. And uh, we'll still do uh, set design and really large uh, props that are almost sets in and of themselves. Um, and, and that's primarily where our focus is now. And one of the things that I noticed uh, when I was finally able to get to you guys uh your props are all resin models. Primarily, that's that's our main um, medium that we work in. But uh, you know, we'll also work in wood. We'll work in some some metal, plastics. Uh, it, it really comes down to what we're making. What is the best medium to work with? Uh, for example, I've made really large swords from you know anime shows. And those, there's no good way to do something like that in resin. So in most cases, those are all wood. Um, but re resin is probably our broadest range of products are made in resin. Why have you chosen to use resin rather than 3D printers? Because it seems to me like a 3D printer is an easier way to do it. Or am I missing the process? Well... <laughs> you you bring up an interesting question. Uh, for one, uh, we've been doing this for 10 years. And when we started 3D printers, uh, small-scale 3D printers for a more average consumer, that, that wasn't even a thing. And I, as a matter of fact, when we used to do conventions, people either knew that what we had was resin or they asked what it was. Some people thought it was soap. <laughs> soap, interesting. Okay, yeah, more than okay, one people thought they were soap. For all the choices that I might assume that something is made out of, soap would not be my first. Well, you know, you know, in prison, the soap gun. We saw those in movies. On, I, I can't imagine that would actually work, but don't be, whatever. Don't be racist, don't. Well, I think why some people maybe thought it was soap was uh, it, it making custom-made, homemade soaps is a thing, you know, that can be yeah, done. So they absolutely. see something. Yeah. Why wouldn't you do that? Yeah. Why wouldn't you do it out of butter? We got, a, we got a few homemade <laughs> yeah, well, soaps for thing. Christmas, and they're lovely. Right. right but so, they're not, like, sculpted. They're... No, they're molded. But but and I have simple. seen some where people, you know, make their own molds. So <sighs> it, it it's funny that people, you know, thought that. The first time someone asked me that, you know, it was like, What? But, you know, then 
you get asked it enough and you're like, okay, well, I kind of understand where they're coming from. But back to the whole 3D printing thing, um, I, <laughs> people that know me know my opinion on 3D printers. And it's kind of why I threw that softball at you. So go for it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, here's, here's my problem with 3D printers. Uh, the, the quality is not as good because you get these resolution lines throughout it. Also, it is not a, it, it's not an efficient manufacturing process. I, I've seen lots of people that, you know, want to invest thousands of dollars in a 3D printer and they just think that they're basically going to have a mini factory in their house. And that's not the case. Oh, that's silly. It's a good and, prototyping machine. Well, and, and that's what they used to be referred to, rapid prototypers. They've been around since the 80s. This isn't new technology. It's just that people are only hearing about it now because it's been uh, – it, the price has come down where it's more something that people can get in their houses. I mean, Kind of like computers where we had them for hundreds of years – well, no, not hundreds. not really because what happened is not that the technology got much better but more that there was a maker sort of movement. To bring it, I think there was always sort of a push to get computers in the home, and not so much with this. Well, well, a, gr a great comparison would be regular printers. You know, it used to be someone wanted photocopies or something like that made. They had to go to a place that that did it, and you know, eventually printers got cheap enough people had in their homes. Uh, but my uh, one of the other thing that bugs me about three D printers is uh, it, the fact that I feel like so many people aren't learning about, you know, resins and stuff, which has been around forever and it still makes a better final product. And, and people, you know, they get like, Oh, wow, cool technology and stuff like that versus, uh, you know, what, what's most appropriate for what they're doing. Um, it, it it's all, it's almost like, okay, what, you know, we have digital music, and before that we had CDs, and before that we had cassettes. Well, if you ask a teenager now if he knows what a cassette is, well, he probably still knows what it is, even if he doesn't use it. God help him if you ask him for an 8-track. Uh, yeah, and <laughs> you know, I kind of feel like people like just erased the memory that there's anything else, and people will... It, you know, I tell people, I'm like, well... Yeah, of course props were made before 3D printers. It's not like just nobody made anything until these printers came out. <laughs> you know, obviously people had a way to do it. And it's like pe people don't want to to like learn about that process. And and the other thing I hate about 3D printers and and this comes and and I'll say this is like a self-admitted snobbery part of part of it but oh, i can, are you gonna be old for a minute uh, yeah i'm gonna kick the kids off my lawn <laughs> <laughs> well don't dome does that a lot well yes i do it, here's the thing i to me i feel that making props is an art form it's just like sculpture or anything or painting or anything like that to me it's yeah, an art it's form and to me 3d printers are almost like a cheat code 
where it's like... No, I, I really have to disagree with you because people who can model very well... Okay, yeah, some people it is. Some people, absolutely, they are not very good and they could probably get a better product doing it the old-fashioned way. But people who are really, really good at modeling can produce some incredible results. I, I Well, I think 3D printers are, are far easier. Think about it. You, I've seen so many high schoolers that I get into a discussion and, you know, all the high schools now, they have them. And they're just like, eh, I'll just 3D print it. Like, it's it's an afterthought. I've literally never heard anyone say that. I, 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 I have. I, and I would like a video of this. And you have just people. for my own personal edification. <laughs> you, you, like, you I really have... want to see a child do that. And then I want to have that child so that I can slap them. <laughs> like, like, I, I've ha I've had it happen more than once. Now the thing is, is you you have a these technology. These are children who just they have too much. <laughs> like it, someone should take their their food away or something. Like is, is this another case of affluenza for technology? I, I think so. I I think they need to starve a little and see how that feels. It, the the thing they is, can't is that print their food. It, now now that now no. that you have all the people especially the younger generation fascinated with this technology they view it as that that's the only path that's the path you have to take and you have people that you know probably don't know how to use a screwdriver in some cases but they know how to model in 3D and they're like they sit back I'm a prop maker and it's kind of insulting to people who have a wide range of skills and know how to work in a wide range of medium that have to really figure out how to make stuff. And then you have people that are like, well, I draw it in 3D. Well, okay, Heather, correct me if I'm wrong, but you know who I'm thinking of when I say she's freaking incredible. But I, I believe she just actually builds stuff as well. Does she? Am I hallucinating? No, and you're I'm pretty, not. I'm pretty sure she she fabricates some stuff with 3D printing, but other stuff she builds. Yeah, she fabricates pieces that um are too small and need to are small but need to be intricate, detailed. Yeah, yeah, and detailed so that um. Hmm. No, there, they there come is a huge well. design, and and I don't think it's entirely the kids fault honestly i think it's a teaching flaw and i don't think it's the teacher's fault either though because i feel like there's this because they haven't been to it as well as no either. no there's a push to teach technology because kids don't yeah, have enough right. technology well that's bullshit because kids know more technology than you do and they always will truth there are eighth graders who could end run around me and guess what yep. when i was in eighth grade i could end <laughs> run around anyone so and guess what? I sell them the cheap technology. <laughs> so like <coughs> the teachers are teaching them that. And if you don't know there are other ways to do it, why would you think of it? You wouldn't. So in some cases, yeah, that's really bad. I'm not saying like you should always do it this way first. I think you should choose the construction type that's appropriate for whatever you're making. Sometimes 3D printing yeah. is much more appropriate. Other times it's completely not. Completely not, yeah. Completely inappropriate. How would you make a prosthetic out of latex with 3D printing? I feel like it wouldn't work. I don't know. It might not. 
I, I'm thinking of the the makeup show, where they do a lot of oh, stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the way they fabricate stuff just looks so arduous, but like it's the way it has to be that's done. What you do. That's how you do it. But, exactly. but they always they always choose how they construct something based on you know how it's going to be attached to your body, what it's supposed to look like, what's the texture going to be, and if you just default to three D printing, you lose that choice. You absolutely do. One of the things uh, Eric, you that got really quiet. <laughs> oh, I was just hearing you guys discuss it. I yeah, I mean, I I tend to that tends to be a little bit of my rant on the whole thing. And, it, and it's not that I have anything against the technology itself. I, I do think it's fascinating and everything. But like I said, I, I, don't, I don't like the prevalent attitude that it, it's, it's kind of like people forget how to do everything else. And I almost feel like people use that, like that technology as a crutch, you know? The thing is with that, though, is you can tell who's using it as a crutch because... If you're using it as a crutch, usually what you produce is not as good as if you're using it as a tool in your arsenal. As one of a, a yeah. number yeah, of tools. One of a num tell. number of tools. Now, the cool thing about what you do, when uh, what I saw all over your booth, was that you sell in both kit form and assembled form. It depends what it is. Some some stuff we do, some stuff we don't. Um, like some of the uh, some of the prop pistols we have. Like we offer, you can have it painted and finished, and or you can just get it in the kit form. And sometimes the kit form might be two pieces. <laughs> uh, kit kit is a little bit of a uh, generalization uh, term to use. <laughs> So, I mean, you could have a kit that's 10 parts, and you can have a kit that's really one part. It basically means you do have to finish it, and you have to paint it, and it might have, like, a little bit of sanding and stuff like that you have to do. And uh, That goes back to, you know, like, the old models. That's what you had to do with them. You bought it, you put it together, you glued it together, you painted it, and then you got it. Uh, the thing that I'm, I'm looking on yes, your website. Yes, that's how is, model making works. Good job, James. Thank you. <laughs> you know, Department of Redundancy Department. But I'm, uh, I'm looking. We got that cleared up. Thanks for nothing. Mm -hmm. I'm looking at James Revolver on your website. Uh huh. And the kit is like nine pieces. Now, actually, I don't think it's that many. But yeah, I can see the difference between the 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 assembled, finished final product and what it looks like in kit form and it's kind of cool uh well if you like that one mal's uh i just pulled the first two casts today for that it's really really something else it's really uh... oh stargate section hang on <laughs> <laughs> there's stargate i'm yeah excited. i knew you'd find that eventually but no doctor who uh, uh, the, well, I, I can tell that you're a Doctor Who fan just from what you were talking about as soon as we made our connection. You were talking about <laughs> Doctor Who stuff. Um, for some friends of my wife and I, we actually uh, we actually built them a DVD cabinet that looks like a TARDIS for oh, a nice. wedding slash really Christmas cool. gift. Yeah, I don't have any pictures of it on online there, but... Mm -hmm. 
Shoot me an e- shoot me an email or something, and I can email you a picture of it if you want to see it. Yes. That would be a terrible thing to have. I was going to say, I'll <laughs> trade you for a picture of our Doctor Who cake topper from our wedding. If so. those were actually really pretty as well. They were so cute. Oh, my gosh. So how long have you guys... How, how long have you been doing this? Because, you know, some of this stuff is incredibly intricate. And when I, when I looked at some of your assembled pieces, it was just like it had the right look. It had the right feel it felt the heft of it was correct in your hand i you know it takes a while to get there what exactly was your question there was yeah there question. we go dome is like completely where were you guys like i, I must have missed you at rhode island like seriously. they were down they were down in the uh in the skating rink yeah oh man Heather. Yeah, we were on the surface of Hoth. <laughs> Zombarian, we should have like gone through with with the thing like with the pit song from Parks and Rec, because that's what it felt like down the there. The pit. I live in the pit. <laughs> yes. And now we can't sing anymore because copyright. Yeah, yeah no, no, that's I think not I feel to like do he'd that. Appreciate it, though. I'm sure he would. The little like um. Kit potion bottles look like something that I saw, but I don't think it's the same thing. I think that was a leather person. Hmm. Just you know, I, I I was enthralled by your stuff, and I, I just think it's it's just it's high quality, and and I, I think that's kind of what makes it yours. Is it you're not skimping your work doesn't on suck. Good job. Yeah, you're well, thank just you. <laughs> <laughs> Dome, that's what you sound like. Sorry, it's true. Yeah, thank you so you're much. You're welcome. Good job complimenting the guest. Hey, I'm working on it, you know? <laughs> so if people want to co- contact you, do you do uh, custom work now as well? Uh, yeah, I, d- I don't take on uh, quite as much because it, when, I, when I started out, it was... Uh, like I said, it was about 10 years ago. And, you know, at that point, how we kind how we kind of got started was I had some props that I made for like a short film that I was working on. And, uh, I, I had them on display at a convention. I, I don't know if you want to hear the whole story. It's a little bit long. Oh, no, for continue. Okay. Well, anyway, <laughs> that's what we live for. I, I've always been, into like movie making and behind the scenes stuff that that was always fascinating to me and um back in 1996 i started work at a uh, a haunted house attraction for a season and made a bunch of friends there uh that i'm still friends with today and we were all interested in movies and it was about the time where small camcorders were just getting affordable for most people where it wasn't like a super expensive luxury item. And so we got camcorder. We're like, ah, you know, we want to make some movies and stuff like that. And I was the guy that knew how to build stuff. And that's kind of how I got into starting, you know, crafting props and different little special effects things. And, Today I built uh, an Ikea table. <laughs> I, I'm really proud of that. And, and you know something? It's a model. <laughs> it is. 
It has That's... instructions. You put it together. It does. It did. There were nine steps. It's a pretty complicated table, actually. You wouldn't think because table, but never mind. Well, um, so so after uh, you know we were doing like these little short movies and stuff like that, um, I. I got involved in a uh, a uh, Star Wars fan film, and they they needed some help. They said, "Hey, you know, we're interested in some help." So I said, "Well, you know, I got some costumes and props and stuff. I can I can loan you for it if you want." And the the people that made that they invited my wife and I to a convention. We had never been to a convention before, and it was like. You know, you walk in the door and you see doves take off and angels singing. It was it was beautiful. It was like, oh my goodness! <laughs> there are harps, it, and and it, and it wasn't even a very big one. But for someone who had never been to one of these things, it it was awesome. It was like these are my people, you know. And uh, we we met some people that were working on a original sci fi film there and i had a photo album with me this was before phones really had the capability to hold pictures and stuff <laughs> and i had a photo album and i showed him i said well these are some of the props and costumes that you know my wife and i have done and they said hey you know we really want you to uh do you want to be a part of our our film and make props and stuff for it you know of, of course free because independent that's kind of the way it works you get credit and so my wife and I got involved in that project. And so the next convention rolls around and they had a table there promoting what they were working on. And they said, we have all this space here and we're not going to use it all up. If you just want to take some of your props that you've made f as filler and just put them out on the table and stuff, you can. So we went ahead and did that. And all these people would come by and point to stuff and say, is that for sale? And I'd say, no, nah, it's just something I made for myself. Is that for sale? No, that's not for sale either. And I turned to my wife and I said, well, you know, maybe we could make a little bit of money on okay, the side. Okay, so the answer when someone asks, is that for sale, is just yes. What was that? It, when hmm? someone asks, is, is that for sale, you say $500. doesn't matter how small it is. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, this tiny necklace that took 20 minutes, $500. Absolutely. Crazy people like me might actually give it to you. Well, it's that, that's true. Everything has a price, I guess. <laughs> but uh, anyhow, so you know, I I said to my wife, maybe this is uh, how we could make a little bit of money on the side, and so you know, we formed our business, and we we were actually in in talks with a space camp. And they needed some big props made. And they said, well, you know, we can't do business with you unless you're an official business. And oh, so, good Lord. What, what, <laughs> well, they were a nonprofit and everything. There was, you know, a lot of stuff like that. But it, it was interesting because our paperwork for becoming an official business were going through at the same time we were in negotiations for the contract for the project and everything. So... Our very first sale as an official business was still, to date, one of our biggest. <laughs> that's incredible. Yeah, and, and that's kind of how it all got started. It's just been slowly growing since then. And, uh, it, you know, when it started out, it was in my free time thing. 
it it was me actually chasing things, you know, going on websites and people would say they're looking for something and I would say, oh, I can make that. So, you know, there for a long time, you know, I was chasing the sales and it was in my free time. And over the last 18 years, I've been working at the same job and they were extremely flexible with their hours. So the fortunate thing about that was I was able to, as my business grows, step back bit by bit from my day job. So, you know, I started out at 40 hours and then after a good number of years was down to 30, then down to 20, then down to 10. And then finally this last March, it completely broke free from that. And now all I do is prop making. <laughs> well, actually, that's not quite true. Uh, because I'm going to ask you the ultimate question to tell me about Spork Man. <laughs> All right. Well, Spork Man <laughs> is a comic that I wrote with a couple friends of mine. That the same ones that we actually all kind of got interested in filmmaking together. Uh, it started out as a bit of a joke. It was. Uh, it was about 4 a.m. or something in the morning, and we were just throwing out names of ridiculous, silly superhero ideas. And wh one, of my, one of my friends said, Spork Man, he's got like, you know, this spork mask and sporks for hands and feet and stuff. And he, and he drew this little sketch of this character. And I, I guess it was a couple years after that, uh, I started working on a custom action figure and I, and I took some real sporks and I made this custom spork man action figure and kind of took some artistic license from the original design he had. And then I guess it was a couple years after that. Um, I, I can't even think of the date offhand. It was, uh, early, early two thousands, I believe like 2004 maybe, um, my wife and I were having a Halloween party and I told everyone, I said, well, I'm working on a costume. It's top secret. It's going to be a surprise. And so I made a Sporkman uh, costume for Halloween. And everyone thought it was hilarious because th they didn't, they didn't know I was doing this. And uh, I, I entered it in a costume contest uh, I think the, the next year at a convention and it was unbelievable how many people loved the costume. I won, I think three different costume awards for it and everyone wanted their picture taken with me in this costume. It was, it, it was, it was, it, it's the closest I think I'll ever come to knowing what it's like to be a celebrity. <laughs> and, and so people kept joking with me and saying, Oh, when's the comic coming out? And so after that, I, I spoke with my other friends and I said, you know what? I said, we really need to make a comic for this because everyone wants one and everyone keeps asking about it. Like it's a joke. I said, let's actually do it. Well, between the three of us, none of us could really draw, but we could all write. And uh, so we, we actually searched online and we found an artist who, uh, who 
kind of met the criteria of what we wanted as far as style and everything. And we we did like a one shot called Sporkman Conventions. We we figured write what you know. And we know about conventions, and I had the costume at a convention, so let's have the story take place at a convention. So uh, that's how we made the story, and uh, it has lots of little cameos that you know the average reader won't get. Like for example, me and my one friend are in it in the background, but you know we're just characters in the background, um, and. Uh, William Shatner's in it, but we didn't use his real name, but it's very obvious who it is. He's, he's one of the villains in it. <laughs> and uh, so we wrote that first issue, and then we went ahead and we wrote uh, four additional issues. We did one that was like a little – it was like a little half issue. It was only about 10 pages long was one we did. And then we did another three-parter called Sporkman Goes to Japan. And – in that issue, he joins the superhero exchange program. So he goes over to do <laughs> <laughs> to do some superheroing in Japan, and th- those issues are just full of all sorts of like references to um, anime cliches and stuff like that. You know, we have these little creatures called Moki Ponds, which are kind of Pokemon esque, and you know, we, we have ninjas and giant robots and, and stuff like that. And it, so that that's kind of been like a little side project. And as I'm sure most independent comic creators will tell you, you do it because it's fun. You don't do it because you make any money at it. And, and you know, they, they're kind of fun. They absolutely are kind of fun. So you've got, you've got Sporkman. You have your costumes, you have your props, you have your jewelry, uh, and and it's all got that. It's called Manbling li- Dome. It's called what? Manbling. You can't call it. Ah. You can't call it jewelry. I can't call it jewelry anymore. He calls it jewelry on his website. I'm sorry. <laughs> See this this is this is my job here to be taken to task literally every time I open my mouth. It's- but that's, that's okay. That's true. That's true. I am aware. Do it if I don't. Uh, pretty much the rest of the cast that's as true. well. That's true. That's true. Well, I don't know. Uh, Marion's been pretty quiet. So, all of the stuff that's available is on the website, which is holeinthegroundpro.com. We will have links to all of this. And where have you? Where are you going to be in the next couple of months in terms of There's uh, Stargate con- conventions? I'm just saying. <laughs> Well, um, in February, uh, I'm not sure the dates, but it's always around Valentine's Day, so it's uh, middle of the month, is uh, KatsuCon uh, down in Maryland. It's an uh, anime convention. And that's I the. That mixed up with the thick red condiment. The no, not, not Ketchup Con. That's no? a whole different thing. No? Whole, whole different know. thing. Fair enough. <laughs> But yeah, we're go- we're gonna be at a uh, Katsukon, and that's in February. And then I think the next one we're doing is a new one in my hometown, uh, Harrisburg Comic Con. It's gonna be its first year, so totally don't know what to expect. But uh, 
the vendor booths are very affordable and it's you know like 10 minutes from my house so <laughs> win win for everybody at that point yeah well well it is my hometown and nobody really wants to be here so that that's the unfortunate thing i have no idea what attendance is going to be like it'll be awesome i and, hope so you know won't, won't have to pay for a hotel which is nice too that's always a big plus at these things Oh, that, that, that's the killer. I mean, when we don't vend at many conventions because, to be honest, um, a, a lot of vendors, you know, I talk to them and I'll be like, oh, you know, how'd you do? And they'll be like, oh, I made up my booth Friday. And uh, I'm like, oh, my gosh, are you kidding me? Like, we would love to be able to do that much business. But for a lot of vendors, that's not as hard because in a lot of cases, they're buying and selling. So it's simply a matter of they buy something, they mark it up, they resell it. Uh, right. with, with us, it's also time. So everything I sell, that took a certain amount of time for me to do. I wasn't just purchasing it and reselling it. And so we don't do many conventions because even on ones where we break even or we do make a profit, it's very minimal. But the conventions, the thing that I like about that is I really love meeting actual customers in person i love being able to talk shop with people and so for us doing the conventions as vendors isn't so much about making money as far as basically just promotion getting our name out there being able to talk to people face to face um you know that that's where that comes in really well you i i gotta tell you eric it was really cool uh, meeting you and, and Donna and uh, looking over that that booth that I had to elbow my way into. Uh, we'll have links on our website to all of your stuff and... And, uh, and Stargate. And, and the Stargate <laughs> stuff. Yeah, I think somebody's going to be hitting you up for either a commission or... How much is that? No, no, no. I don't like the replicators, but... Uh, I, I, I could think of a few other things. I could think of a few other things off the top. I'm sure you could. Really? Yeah. Are you, are you sure? I'm, I'm sure absolutely too. sure. Yes. Well, if you really wanted a full-size Stargate, I could make that happen. Yeah. <laughs> I, I've been waiting for someone to say, I really want a Stargate in my backyard. I, I think that would... There's certain projects you take on because you're like, oh, well, this would be a good product that people would like. And then there's some jobs where I say, I really wish someone would commission that because I have no idea what I would do with it, but I would just love to be able to actually build it. Why am I always that person? <laughs> like, why am I always the person that commissions the thing that people really want to do? But like, you, you, you kind of are that person I because am. you've done it a number of times. More than twice. <laughs> more than twice, yeah. More like five or six or seven or eight times. But then again, I tend to do the same thing. So, Anyhow... Eric, thank you so much. Uh, oh my gosh, is... resin knitting doozer. This is happening. <laughs> it could very well be happening. You're right. <laughs> <clears throat> Anywho. Anywho. Kriana, you want to do just a little bit of news before we say goodnight? Oh. Good night, Gracie. Sure. And now, a little bit of news.
Yeah, well, we had a whole bunch of news here, so... No, but, but we're only going to talk about Doctor Who. Yeah. But only Doctor Stargate's Who Stargate's Christ- on right now. <laughs> Doctor Who Christmas Special 2015 aired about a week and a half ago. It was fucking awesome. Oh, my God, what a great piece of acting, great piece of writing, and well put together. Ah, just wonderful. The many husbands of Rivers... The husbands of oh, Rivers Song. That whole, the whole like first two thirds of that, episode, three quarters actually, was just beautiful. Just it, the, beautiful. The they inter- were so I, smart. They were so smart. Yeah. They made him the companion in his own TV show. It was beautiful. <laughs> it was pretty and, amazing. And it was it was a, a really good story on top of everything else. So I mean, you know, it was well written. Uh, it was this one was actually written by Stephen Moffat, uh, but it wasn't directed by him. He's which a decent kind of writer. Probably, We've liked stuff he's written before. Yeah. This, interestingly enough, was the least watched Christmas special since they began them. That's weird. In in it Britain, really yeah. Uh, well, maybe people are just like really tired of it, really sucking. <laughs> I hope not because this this is going to go down as one of the classics. I, I mean, think also part of the problem was, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. Okay, if you insist. If I insist, um, I think part of the problem was that it did it air on Christmas this it year. Air on Christmas. Yeah. It aired at the same time. You know what though is is a little different about this one than than past ones. Is that it was about the Doctor. And usually the Christmas specials are not. They're just random and they don't move the story. Yeah, they're definitely not facilitating any sort of overarching storyline. And they're not about his interpersonal relationships. It's about something external. Someone else's interpersonal relationships. Like, a really good one, The Doctor, The Widow, and The Wardrobe. That one was amazing. Yep. Had literally almost nothing to do with the doctor. He was there to be a MacGuffin slash facilitating time travel, and that was about it. The, it sa- was... the same with the um, Christmas Carol one, which I kind of liked. That one was a good one. Yeah. Um, but this one was markedly different than those two. I I mean, it's gone the other way before David Tennant. The first one, you know. Yeah, yeah. Fighting hand. And- <laughs> oh, oh! How about that? David Tennant's hand in a jar. I'd pay for that. Yeah, that was good. <laughs> You're right. Absolutely. No, no, yeah. no. Like, but, but like as a prop, like I would want. Yeah. The, I would totally want. His hand in a jar. That would be great in resin, wouldn't it? <laughs> yes. Or maybe just a brain in a jar. If you're listening, Eric, if you're still listening, and I think you are. uh, Wait, did he drop off? Oh, he did drop off. He did drop off, but there's still a conversation going on in the background. Okay, then. Um, Anyway. A brain in a jar would be cool. Okay, first of all, the way that she was talking about him was amazing. While he was right there, and she didn't know it. It was amazing. You just cringe, and it was amazing. Oh, his actions... You know, during that first three quarters of the episode when he's going, really? Really? 
You have no idea who I am? Well, you never can tell. You never can tell if she's just, you know, playing along or if it's for real. You I can't. went back and forth like Kriana was sitting here and I was like, she knows. No, she no, no. Knows Once she started saying that he was the damsel, I was like, oh, no. Nope, she would not have said that to his face. Nope. Absolutely I, not. We, I think that she would have. Uh-uh. <laughs> I think she would have given him that code name to his face. Mm, oh, God. I don't think she did. Also, Kriana and I already talked about this, so I feel like I'm repeating myself. But you're not. Because I am, but I'm not on the show. Right. Um, sorry, I had cider with dinner. It was really good. Sombrero is <laughs> drunk, everybody? No, but... Part of what I really liked about this one is that Peter Capaldi is the first doctor who I've really looked at him and River Song together and I'm like, yes, they are married. I believe this relationship and I believe it. I believe that he very deeply cares for her in a way he doesn't care for anyone else. Well, the whole... The and I whole... got a little of that with Matt Smith, but not Well, he's just a, a lot. giant baby. Yeah, it was weird, because it felt... It's like a felt... fucking baby in a bow tie, okay? Yeah, it felt like she was robbing the cradle in, like, a weird way, and they just didn't have the same chemistry. Alex Kingston and Peter Capaldi had... Well, um, I mean, he's definitely the one always robbing the cradle. Let's face yeah. it. Well, yeah, that's what he's. Yeah. Yeah. But they but I mean, the relationship that they had was very different, very different from the relationship that Alex Kingston's character had with any other doctor. Yeah. And, and we and barely had one. really good. Much with David Tennant's doctor. No, we didn't. You're right. Just um, that one. I'll tell, I'll tell you, the thing that kept driving me crazy was what she kept saying, oh, no, the doctor never really loved me. I loved him. Well, that was meant to. That, that, yeah. But, but then he got to say, hello, sweetie, and it was awesome. But here's yes. the thing. I can see why she said that because, like, if you think about it, they're married, yeah, but they got married because of, like, a fluke. It wasn't, like, a romantic, you're the person I care most about marriage. No, it actually wasn't. You're absolutely right. And, like, as you, as you start to think back through their relationship, she has really been the driving force. And he hasn't necessarily been aloof. He's but, just sort of along for the ride. Yeah, he's not really as he does he doesn't seem as into her as she is into him. And this time it actually felt like yes, he cares. I, well, before I like, they were trying to parallel Amy and Rory. Right. And this this was just which was a bad abusive relationship. At every yeah. At For every a while, but then it got better when she figured out that she was being mean to the best, best human being on the planet, or in time and space. Rory Williams is like the ideal husband. Yep, in the long run, hey, he was. Respect that he changed his name, please. Rory Pond, you're right. 
Hey guys. That's his life what? choice. It's 2016. This is our 300th episode. It's kind of cool. And I want to thank you guys. I want to thank everybody who's ever been a co-host with us. And the two that are missing tonight, it's 300. Screw you guys. I mean, what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Feel better, you dumbos, because I'm doing Even this with bitches. That's we right. We miss you. So, Kriana, what's happening in the next couple of weeks? Tell me, tell me, tell me. Well, I have no idea because I only got the other thing. Crap. <laughs> I don't know. We probably have other stuff. Um, I think we do, actually. Next week, Serenity Valley Outfitters um, discuss their zombie survival kit and Booking Monkey. A little too cutesy. Slightly too cutesy. Um... Then Amasha Paja comes to talk about her artwork, and then Melinda Snodgrass of the Star Trek Renegades comes to talk about her new book. So we have a packed few weeks coming up. I now get to say that Sci-Fi Saturday Night is the official podcast of Boston Comic Con, Granite Con, BooksandBooze.com, and ComicArthouse.com. Visit Comic Art House for the best deals on original art from dozens of your favorite artists. Tonight's outro music provided by Lawrence Made Me Cry. Check out more of their grooves on lawrencemademecry.com. In tonight's out intro music provided by Rob Watts. Find more of his creations at robwattsonline.com. Dome? And find Lawrence Made Me Cry's new album on the web. It is fantastic. And go I back wanna... and read Craigie Ferg. <laughs> I want to thank our guest tonight, Eric Berry from Hole in the Ground Productions. Check out his stuff. It's really freaking amazing. Uh, I want to thank Brianna uh, uh, and Okay, you're cutting out now, so and some every, everyone gets tonight for uh, interrupting their dinner to remember to actually do it. <laughs> and, and for everybody else, get well, get better, get soon. This is Dome Say It to Eugenie. Share pain is lessened, share joy increased. Thus do we all refute entropy. Good night, everybody.